Today's episode is with Patty Grimm, the president and CEO of Advantage Training. Welcome to the Women in Tech Podcast, a special series of Heads in the Cloud episodes hosted by Michelle Licardi, President and Chief Revenue Officer of Star to Star. And welcome to today's episode of Heads in the Cloud. I'm David Portnowitz, and today kicks off a really cool series that we're hosting. Michelle Accardi, Star to Star's President and Chief Revenue Officer, is going to be leading a series of discussions with women in tech. Today's episode is with Patty Grimm, the President and CEO of Advantage Training. And Michelle and Patty are going to talk all about imposter syndrome and what it's like to be an executive woman in the tech world. This is going to be an ongoing series over the next few weeks, and we hope you really enjoy them. Welcome everyone to Heads in the Clouds. I'm Michelle Accardi, President and Chief Revenue Officer of Star to Star, and I'm leading our ongoing discussion about women in tech. My guest today is Patty Grimm, the President and CEO of Advantage Training and the author of Quiet Women Never Make History. Before founding Advantage, Patty was a senior uh, leader at J&J and Microsoft and has a wealth of experience. Uh, welcome, Patty. Thanks, Michelle. It's, it's really great to be here. I'm, I'm thrilled to be on this show and talking about these really, really important topics for women right now. So obviously, Patty, right before we got on here, we discussed a little bit of our similarities uh, <laughs> you know, in, in terms of, of families and careers in tech. And yep. I understand uh, you have a blended family. You've had foster children. You've had your own children plus stepchildren, much like myself, blended yes. family. And you managed to do it in tech. I think that's pretty incredible. Yeah, I, I was really lucky. I have an incredibly supportive family and significant other. My husband of, of 38 years, I'll admit to how long we've been married. Uh, and I, I was just putting something on LinkedIn and Facebook about a quote about, you know, people not asking for permission, but just going to do things. And my husband and I were at a party one time and somebody said, how can you let her travel around the world and be gone every other week or almost every week during our career. How could you let her? And my husband looked at this person confused and said, let her, you think I have a choice? <laughs> Sounds exactly like my husband. Uh, although I, I often say uh, I you know, I'm, I'm divorced and I often say that I was able to stay married for seven years uh, because I traveled 50% of the time. Otherwise I would have been d divorced that much sooner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's that's exactly what I say too. It's hard to have an argument when you leave on Monday, you come back on Friday, you forget what you're mad about. So, have a, one of my things for women is have a support system, a significant other in your life that will be there for you through thick and thin, absolutely through good and yeah. bad. Support systems are incredibly, incredibly important. So today's topic is imposter syndrome, that feeling of not being qualified or being in over your head it seems like it disproportionately affects high performers, especially women. Mm -hmm. So why do you think women deal with this so often? You know, it's very interesting because imposter syndrome is something you can look up all the fancy schmancy definitions of it. But to me, imposter syndrome is a sense or feeling of not being good enough, not being qualified. I'm not ready yet. Despite the evidence in the opposite, that you are ready, you are strong, you are talented, you can do this. And so we have this feeling that we're not good enough, even though we've got the background and experience and be there. And it's very clear, Michelle, that women suffer from it more than men. And I honestly think it comes from how we were raised and how we were raised to be perfectionist. We were raised to be the good girl. 
go to the good school, have the good grades, have the good friends, always do the right thing, right? Girls are sugar and spice and everything nice. To me, it's that whole idea of we're always trying to be perfect. We're trying to be the perfect mom, the perfect spouse, the perfect manager, the perfect leader. And that perfectionism is probably the number one thing that I think is holding many women back. Oh, I know in my career, it's definitely been something that has come up for me. Uh, you know, I can remember back in 2015, Star to Star, one of our founders had left uh, and we were looking for another president and chief revenue officer. I was currently at that time chief operating officer. And rather than putting my hand up, I, I said, hey, well, maybe we should hire this person or that person. And we hired someone in. He was a great guy. Um, but ultimately, there wasn't a fit there. And finally, someone had to come to me. Our, our, yeah. our CEO had to come to me and say, Michelle, you're, you're doing this job. You need to step up and take this chance. Yeah. Uh, and that was just such a realization for me that that I had had and been suffering from imposter syndrome myself. So what do you think as leaders we can do to help those who are coming up to overcome imposter syndrome? I think it comes down to a couple things. I think it comes down to being a, not just a sponsor and a mentor for women, but being an ally for them, being an advocate, meeting with them and help them round out their career. A lot of times when a woman has a mentoring relationship with someone, or especially if it's a man, they're working on things like their confidence, which is really, really important, but they're not working on things like their executive presence. They're not work, looking at things like teaching them the hard profit and loss statement of the business of things that you and I know, be able to speak that language of business. So I think they can be truly allies for them, support them, give them the training development they need, but teach them the business so they can have a strategic conversation at that level. Research shows that if, a, like you, if a woman sees a job and it has 10 characteristics and she has eight of them, she won't apply. A man has, sees that same job, has five of those characteristics, applies and gets the bloody job. So we have to have that confidence and competence because right now confidence is actually more important than your confidence in overcoming imposter syndrome. And I wanna go back to this idea of perfectionism for a minute. And I wanna give you a definition of perfectionism of why it's so damaging for women and why we suffer from it. So perfectionism is a personality trait combined with overly high performance expectations that we're imperfect in everything, combined with being overly self-critical, combined with being caring too much about what other people think. And so I ask you, how many times have you done an absolute rock star presentation or you've had a rock star meeting and someone walks up to you and says, Michelle, that was great. What do most women say? Oh, that was nothing. Oh, you know, it... it that was nothing. The team did it. Yeah. I could have done better. What does the man say? High five. Woohoo. That was great. Thank you. And walks away. So we have to really look at ourselves and really say, what can we do to, to foster our strengths? In my book, I did research with 3,200 leaders over three years on what makes great women leaders. And I learned a ton and I put it together in the book with these five practices. And the first one is play to your strengths. So it's be strong, play to your strengths. Know what your strengths are and find careers and jobs that fit those strengths so you can stand out. Oh, that's great, great points. So let me ask you this. As more women occupy senior positions and it's easier for a woman 
to envision their success and, and maybe get that confidence. Do you think we're going to see less imposter syndrome? Do you think we're, we're going to be at a tipping point where, where that changes? Or do you think we're still very much in the thick of imposter syndrome for women in leadership? I think I, I see hope on the horizon, right? I see it as a new generation of women leaders coming up that they're seeing things slightly differently. Many times when I'm speaking, people will say, do we still need to break the glass ceiling? The answer is absolutely yes. I mean, all the statistics are there. We could go through those, but those are boring. But I think we can overcome the imposter syndrome by building up our confidence and our confidence. And you mentioned sort of a woman having a vision for herself. So the second principle in the book is all about standing up. In order to stand up, you need something to stand on. So I've got a special gift for people that are listening at the end, we could chat about it, but women need to write a personal leadership vision. They need to have a vision statement for themselves, just like the country or a company or individuals. They need to have a personal leadership vision. That's the kind of leader they wanna be and that they live up to that vision and they post that. Like my vision is to make a difference. That's my short vision. My longer vision is to make a difference and empower women and girls with the best they can be in any endeavor they choose. And so the clients I work with, the podcasts I choose to be on, the conferences I speak at, where I work, things I do, all have to pass that test of, am I having a chance to make a difference? And there's an easy way to write your personal vision too, but I have a free gift for people at the end. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that is so awesome. You know, you know, thinking about this in my own life, um, you know, other people have said to me, well, you know, imposter syndrome isn't real. You know, it's not that, you know, uh, this is all made up and, and you either have the confidence or you don't have the confidence. You know, what do you say to people who, who, you know, put that out there, you know, that this is obviously a very real problem, right? It's a very real problem. It's in fact, you could probably go search on, on the internet and find 4 million or more things around imposter syndrome, imposter files, perfectionism, you'll find million of them out there. It is a real issue and research shows it's true. I'm a research geek, right? So research shows that more women suffer from imposter syndrome than men and it still exists. I think the other thing to keep in mind and it was in Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, when she said, here's this woman who was COO at Google for years, very successful, very strong, competent woman leader, and yet when she was interviewing with Mark Zuckerberg for her job to be COO at Facebook, she talked to her husband the night before and it had a salary figure. And she said to her husband, now this is a strong, competent, extremely talented woman who looked at her husband and said, do you think I really deserve this amount of money? <laughs> That's where we're losing the battle because women don't negotiate well. Young women coming out of Harvard five years ago we're asking for a salary of between ten dollars and $20,000 less than the men who graduated from Harvard. And these are smart young women in the current generation that were coming out of college and are still saying, I don't think I deserve as much as a man or I don't think I deserve that amount of money. So it's real. It's real. Well, I've certainly, like I said, I, I have seen it in my own life. So I agree that it's real. I guess now it's, it's really the question of, you know, how do we, how do we get past this and, and how do we not make this sort of a, another issue that can be sort of a sexist issue, right? Like, oh, imposter syndrome, it's a woman's issue. And that's why there's not more people in the C-suite. You know, any thoughts on that? 
Oh, exactly. So I think there's a lot of things that we can be doing. One is, you know, help build up women's confidence and skills. And I want women, like the third principle in the book is about standing out, being visible, being valuable, and being vocal. So once you know what your strengths are, become more valuable, become more competent, go get the education you need, the certificates. If you don't have the money, go take free online courses from LinkedIn Learning or Udemy. Really round out your skills so you become a master at your craft and you become extremely valuable. So you have the competence and the confidence when you're going for that next job. I think the second thing we can do is we need to stand out in being more valuable, be more visible and being more vocal. That means we need to be able to stand up in that meeting and say, I have a point here. We want to make sure that we're fully present in that power pose with our ears over our shoulders, our heads straight up. I do this before every podcast, before every interview, and sometimes before meetings. I go on my own meeting ahead of time, and I look at my lighting, my background. I make sure I'm dressed nicely from the you know, top up. I'm sitting here in my jeans and bare feet. I've got beautiful jewelry on now and I make sure I'm big, visible and valuable in that meeting and that I can hold my hand up and I can be more vocal and toot my own horn more. Do you ask or do you recommend to women that they go and get sort of mentors within their organizations that help them? Uh, Because certainly it's for me, I know I have built a great support system around me, people whom I trust. And sometimes I'm able to talk things out with them before I'm visible and vocal and say, this is what I'm thinking about saying, does this make sense to you? Do you, can you be the sounding board for me? Um, I, I know for myself, that has been just super, super helpful. Is that what you recommend as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want women to get a male mentor. Women who have men mentors earn 13% more. Fact. I I believe that to be, I believe, look, look, I have male and female uh, mentors over my career. Um, The chairman of a Star to Stars board is a gentleman by the name Norm Worthington, one of the smartest humans I've ever met, frankly. Um, And, uh, you know, I have appreciated so much over the years where he's pushed me intellectually to say, look, Michelle, if you're going to say that in the meeting, you got to have the facts to back that up. Exactly. You can get those facts. This is how you can get those skills. Um, and also to push me to say, look, you know, you can be president and chief revenue officer. You're doing the job already. So I was, yeah. I'm, I'm thankful that some of those people materialized throughout my career. Um, Absolutely. You, you need a sponsor. You need a mentor. You need someone. And don't just have them work on your professional skills, on the confidence and the, have them work on le- learning actually the language of the business. Like you said, have your facts in line, you know, get the, ask for the agenda ahead of time for that next appointment meeting and do your own prep work and come up with the questions you want to ask so that you come up and show up as this confident woman. It's not anymore about fake it till you make it. It's really do it until you own it, right? Show <laughs> it till you own it. Absolutely. So like I said, though, many people do seem to brush aside imposter syndrome and see more profound issues like sexism or racism. Sometimes in my mind, it's sort of hard to see the difference in these types of challenges because a lot of sexism and racism can exist in many ways because people aren't exhibiting confidence in certain areas. So do you have any experience with how you are advising people to, you know, make sure that they don't have this creeping into their culture, right? And, and, and causing 
more problems through? Like, so how, how do you advise leaders to ensure that they're helping their teams not have imposter syndrome, not in the, you know, that it isn't, that imposter syndrome isn't creating uh, in, you know, an un- underlying sexism or racism in their organization as well. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a number of things that can be done. And I think you bring up a really important point. One of the things is that I think leaders need to make sure they create a culture, a strength-based culture. Let's face it, we're not all good at everything, right? I'm a very big picture visionary. You know, I see the things I want to do and my detail orientation is not even on the charts. When I do like the DIS survey or Myers-Briggs or any of those kind of questionnaires, my, my strategic thinking, my, you know, being a driver, getting things done, you know, Katie, bear the bar, bar the door when I've got a project ahead of me, right? Just like you, but I'm terrible with details. So I surround myself and make my, sure my team is diverse, not just in color and race and gender or sexual orientation, but completely diverse in terms of personal operating styles, how they make decisions. And so I think what leaders can do is create a culture that plays to people's strengths, right? You put the person in marketing like me that's got this energy and drive and will would knock through a wall to get a project done, but you don't stick me in a product group coding. I'd be a horrible coder, right? I'd be, because hor- I can't, I can't, I never color in the lines. I never follow the rules. I had a manager once tell me I was unmanageable and I said, thank you. So. Yeah. Well, I always say you, you can't ask a fish to climb a tree, right? That's no, the, no. you're not going to get what you're what you what you're hoping for in in, in that and, 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 and doing things like simple team building exercises. I do a fun team building exercise that is centered around four birds: an eagle, an owl, a peacock, and a dove. And I tell people pick the one that is most like you, and then we work through. Well, what are the strengths of these styles? What do they bring to the team? Now, how do you work with if you're an eagle? How do you work with an owl, right? Eagles are gonna be direct to the point, aggressive. They're gonna be, you know, they talk, then they listen later. You've got someone who's an owl, who's very uh, detail oriented, very historical oriented, very slow to make decisions. You put those two people in the room and they're not speaking each other's language. It's like a great war. So there's the golden rule, right? Treat people the way you want to be treated. There's the platinum rule, which is treat people the way they want to be treated. So honor their strengths, have a strength-based culture where people can thrive of who they are and and then have a team that's got eagles, owls, and doves, and peacocks. Yeah, that's a great point. So I want to circle back on the imposter syndrome. And, you know, I know throughout my, so, so I'll tell you, when I first joined the technology world, I had no interest in being a technology leader, right? That wasn't, I actually wanted to be an actress. Uh, uh, <laughs> and I had moved to New York to be an actress, you know, quickly realized, gosh, I can't afford to live in New York. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, took a job in sales, uh, later moved to, back to Florida and took my first job in a technology company. And, and uh, for me, I, I never felt it like an imposter. I always felt like, well, I'm learning. I'm learning along the way. But along the way, as I was learning, you know, people would tell me I got something wrong. I took, and, and you know, criticism, when you're a creative person, um, you know, it kills the soul, right? Oh, yeah, it does, uh, it does. It kills the soul. Um, and it was really hard for me. And I think as I grew up, uh, you know, 25 years um, 
it, you know, obviously I've, I've hardened my shell now to, to that, but, you know, that criticism is what created the imposter syndrome in the end. And in some ways would try to kill that, that, that curiosity that made me so good in my early yeah. years in my career. So, you know, how do you tell people to deal with that criticism? Like, how, how do you do deal with that so that you don't end up in imposter syndrome if you don't have it already? Yeah, I think one of the things is that when you get feedback is first ask yourself, you know, who's giving you the feedback and also reflect on it. So I love the work of Dr. Susan David, who has a book on emotional agility. She has an amazing YouTube on emotional agility, how to embrace change and thrive. And one of the things that she says is that when something happens that's negative is don't try and rush to positivity too quickly to actually sit there and ask you and ask yourself some questions like what happened? What did I learn from this? What would I do differently next time to create a different result? And to build yourself up when something goes well, ask yourself what happened? What did I learn from it? And what would I do again to create a similar result? So you end up sort of doing your own, it's called an after action review from the military. When I wrote my book, I interviewed a woman named Colonel Deb Lewis, who was one of the first women in West Point to graduate. And then she had a 30 year career in the military commanding troops all over the world. And she taught this after action review, which do it with yourself or your team. What happened? Why did it happen? What did you learn from it? And, you know, I suffered from imposter syndrome from time to time. When I moved from Microsoft corporate to Asia Pacific region to run the customer partner experience team for Asia Pacific, I remember walking in that headquarters building in downtown Singapore the first day of thinking, I really fooled these people, right? I, I interviewed great, but I'm, I'm in, in this job and I sort of had that momentary Am I good enough? And what I did initially, and thank goodness from my mentor sponsor, Oliver Roll, who was my old manager, he's from the UK, my old general manager from the UK, I was trying to fit in the, everybody else's mold. I was trying to be that round peg in the square hole because I was trying to fit in. And he pulled me aside one day and said, I didn't hire you to be like them. I hired you to be you. I need somebody with your energy, with your marketing sense, with your strategic thinking. I don't need another accountant detail person. I need you. And that really changed for me because every time I tried to be that round peg in a square hole, I was miserable and I probably you know, didn't perform as well. So I really focus on what are your strengths? How do you play those strengths? Find those roles that fit you so you're, you can achieve that level of peak performance and you're not stuck in perfectionism. And just stop the voice in your head that says, I'm not good enough. Yeah, I think that that's, that's it. I mean, for, for me, you know, I can tell you, you know, as I said, the criticism used to kill me. Now I take the criticism and I do as just as you said, is what can I take from this? Is there something that I can do that's going to make things yeah. better in the future? And if there's not, then it goes on the pile, uh, you know, yeah. the, the, brush it uh, off. Brush it off, water off a duck's back, as my mother would say, uh, and and, and learn and learn to say, oh well, mm -hmm. and learn to sing, let it go. Yeah, yeah. I okay. have one technique that women that people could use called the five second rule. Um, this is from a woman named Mel Robinson, who I think now has a TV show, but she's also got some YouTube videos. She wrote a book called The Five Second Rule. If you're ever experiencing that, I'm not good enough. I'm not good at details. 
And that's embedded in your brain. Brain research shows this. You know, neuroscience leadership brain research is incredible right now in the science of the brain. But what it what research says, if you've got that negative thought, I'm not good at details, I'm not good at whatever, I'm not creative, and you try and change that immediately to a positive affirmation, I'm great at details. Your brain, your brain will block it. So there's something called the five-second rule. So when you have that negative thought, Say you're walking into that presentation and you're thinking, am I really ready for this? So you're asking for that salary that you know you deserve or that job you know you deserve. Is you have that negative thought, count five, four, three, two, one, replace it with a positive thought, envision yourself doing it successfully, and you'll have a better chance of creating from that negative thought to that positive thought. Absolutely. I think that's great advice to, to anyone who has that voice. Or we all have that voice in our head, right? That tells us things. So being able to block that within that five seconds, I think is just, just great to get rid of that self-doubt. Tell us a little bit more. You said you have a treat for us if, you know, if we go out and get your book. So tell me a little bit more about that. Well, the first thing is I am so passionate about every woman having a personal leadership vision. If your listeners email me, and we'll get, you'll go through the email at the end, I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. If they email me, I will send them a free PDF guide to write their personal leadership vision. What is a vision? Why do you need one? How do you use it? And how do you write one? And in essence, the exercise is, imagine in five years, you're going to be on your favorite show. And you're surrounded by your friends and family and everybody who's worked for you and worked with you in your entire career. And they're all sitting, say, on the Ellen show which would be my show that I'd want to be on. I'm still trying to get on the Ellen show. Um, but you're, you're sitting there and they're all talking about you as a leader. They're saying she's talented. She's dedicated. She's passionate. She's compassionate. She's strong. She's a strategic thinker. And just envision all those words and write them all down. And then take a couple of weeks to fine tune that into a vision statement, like mine to make a difference. She had an impact and made a difference in the world because she was a compassionate, passionate leader who cared. And then use that personal vision statement to make career and life decisions. So if you're considering, say, two jobs, like I was in Asia, I could have gone to Germany and run the Eastern European Business Excellence Division. I could have gone to Singapore and run the Singapore Customer Partner Experience Team. And I chose Singapore. And here's why. My vision is to make a difference. In Europe, they had a thousand people on the corporate staff. I would be a little fish in a big pond. Asia, there were 60 people and 20 countries, as diverse as you could possibly imagine. Where was I going to have a bigger difference? I chose Asia. I chose Singapore. So I'll give them the free PDF guide. Um, and also, if people, there's two ways you can get my book on a special, special deal. Um, so the book is normally $18.95 on Amazon, but for podcast people like you, I'm offering, uh, you can get my book for $10. That includes $200 in free bonuses, training videos, me walking through the five ways to be an empowered woman leader, and in U.S. only free shipping and handling for $10. And you can either go to www.womenkickingglass.com forward slash book. Or you can email me and I'll send you that link. So it's, it's www.womenkickingglass.com forward slash book, or just email me. That's great. Thank you so much for joining me today, Patty. Uh, this has been just a great engaging conversation. I've learned things that I can use um, myself. I, I hope everyone who are our listeners have taken away just 
the boatload of great advice that Patty has. Uh, look, I, I, I could talk to you for another hour about <laughs> what it's like to be a woman leader in Asia uh, in, 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 that, in a male-dominated culture and how that oh. works. But we, we, we'll be here forever, I think, if I, if I keep you here. But I, I'm just so proud of having you on, on, and I hope everyone takes advantage of your book and your offer. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It's been absolutely a pleasure. And uh, like we could talk for hours and let's connect after this and we can, we can keep following up with each other on the side. That sounds great. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Hopefully you really enjoyed that conversation with Michelle and Patty. I thought it was incredibly impactful and there were so many different topics that we could have dove into. And hopefully we'll have Patty on again to discuss uh, any, any number of things that she is an expert in. As I said at the top, this is the first in a series that we're going to be uh, putting out over the next few weeks. And hopefully you enjoy them and uh, we'll see you next time. So for Michelle and Patty, I'm David Portnowitz. 